There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the Rugby Dungeon as we are 52 weeks of the year, every Monday morning for very nearly 10 years. While everyone else is, well, sunning themselves, we're down in the Rugby Dungeon sweating cobs to bring you a fixer rugby. Exactly right. I'm Tim, that's JB. Hello Tim. Only fans, feet ready. And Phil. Hello Tim. Wearing some, I've, I've been admiring all evening your your, your retro nice, aren't they? Adidas these cla- sneaks. Yeah, these classic gazelles. Yeah, they're they're nice. alright, aren't they? Very nice, very nice. You well, gents? Yes, well, yeah, I'm enjoying the sun. Enjoying my CrossFit and enjoying the sun. But wouldn't you say, uh, Phil, that JB's gone for less of a Sam Burgess rugby vest and more of a Chopper Reed? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rubsy Nesbitt, Chopper Reed, so... <laughs> <laughs> Great combo. Yeah. Yes, very much so, Tim. It's so hot, though. It is, it I mean, is this hot. Is, this is the only thing I, I was trying. I was trying on my, every t shirt that I own today to work out which ones can go in the bin and which ones. <laughs> I couldn't take them off. I was sweating so much. <laughs> I, everything was just sticky and. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> I, I made a mistaken call to go for a run about 4 pm yesterday and it was horrible. Tell you what, too out, damn hot. In the summer, getting in your, into your 6 am workout routine is a gem. Because I couldn't work out in, in this heat. Oh, it's the best time to work out. Without doubt. Yeah. Point, it's the only time in the day that it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. 10 degrees, 12 uh, degrees. For our, our American listeners, who we have many, or people from far-flung parts, Australia and whatever, who are, are thinking, yeah, it's England. Like, <laughs> you're, what, you're 24 degrees and you're going mad. You don't have to deal with what we, we have to deal with. Yeah, you have air conditioning units. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you're not global warming. I'm running my car extra hot just to make sure it is a little warmer in the winter. <laughs> I <quite> like it. <laughs> right, on this podcast, we're going to be getting into the top 14 playoffs We've got our finalists now, so some brilliant games uh, this weekend there. Same goes for the playoffs in Super Rugby. We've got an England-wider training squad ahead of the World Cup going to be announced. One of the last, I think it might even be the last of the major nations to name uh, a wider training squad. And, well, various other things going on around the game. Uh, You can contact us at contacttechchasers.gmail.com. There's some emails which I'll pepper through. Uh, some uh, brilliant emails again which keep on coming so uh, do, do keep that going and you can support the podcast keep the lights on show your appreciation for the fact we're there for you every single Monday morning for nearly 10 years 52 weeks of the year no breaks 
it's patreon.com slash eggchasers where we will I only just found out from JB that sorry a Patreon podcast that we did about two weeks ago two weeks ago you didn't but even it's didn't probably even best to delay it because it was quite a heated one it was a little bit yeah that's fair it's a little bit spicy isn't it it is a bit spicy and the topic of it will amaze you what we have to go through to get this podcast out <laughs> yeah okay so there was that little slight spiciness and then we'll add a little bit more spiciness on top with another little quick uh, Patreon pod that we'll I would like to talk about that topic on the pod maybe we'll do, do both maybe we'll touch on it maybe and we'll, we'll touch go... on it at the end and then we can sp- use that as a springboard we'll go wild we'll go wild yeah shackles off with friends mm. who won't cancel us uh, <laughs> right England squad so fi- uh, apparently Steve Borthwick's going to name a 55 man training squad this is you know a good 22 people more than his Six Nations squad and 22 more than will be going to the World Cup but the World Cup squad is going to be drawn from these 55 names you would imagine so uh, just quickly there, who do you want to see that's a, a new face or, or an uncapped and peripheral face who do you want to see or expect to see hope to see in that squad a brand new face would be Joe Carpenter mm-hmm. and do you know what why not bring in Gus War? Those would be my two. Okay, I like that. Mm. I'd, I'd, Carpenter, I'd have no complaints seeing him in the squad. Gus War, I think there's just too much depth. I don't don't see him on, on, on scrum half though. Ben Spencer, I hope is back. There's yeah. talking. There's talking the Telegraph today that Danny Care's back. That'd be cool. Which would be Danny, cool. Danny Care would be cool. He's great. I think you've got some really good options. So Van Portfleet and Alex Mitchell are one and two. Quirk. Quirk would be number three for me. Um, although he's not been able to get ahead of Gus War since he's come back from injury. Although yeah. I think that's more a, a Styles make matchup type situation. I think he's um, all round a better player than Gus War, but he's got know, he's got to earn the shirt. There are often players who are not the best player in a position. The classic one would be Dan Bigger. So Dan Bigger from the age of nineteen was absolutely smashing it out of the park with much bigger names everywhere, and he just carried on holding on to that shirt. But so, it's, yeah, there's bigger names, but there's also better players. So, like, Dan Bigger, I think, he's all around... During his... Now he's amazing. But, but ju- like, during when his he was pe- developing. During, when, he, when he won the shirt, and for the longest time when he was the first choice number 10, I don't think there was many better players. He, he was competing against, like, Reese Priestland and... Well, it was James Hook, and it was Gavin Henson at the start of his career. Yeah, but that, that's when he was kind of coming through, not when he won the number one jersey. Yeah, true. And there's well, an, an overlap between their decline and his. So arise. I was thinking more because they were all young at the same time. So they, they were all sort of. He's just outlived them all because he's far more professional and turns out a better. And he has player. he has improved and, and improved and improved. And he is he's about eight years younger than James Hook and Gavin Henson. But he's not, you know. I, I I don't know. I think I'm going to say he's. I'm going to put it out there. I think he's four years younger than, Gar- than Gavin Henson. Uh, oh, wow, I'd be amazed at that. Yeah, or five years. Yeah, Gavin Henson is. I'd say Gavin Henson's like forty-two, forty-three now. I reckon he's forty, and I reckon Dan Bigger's what thirty, thirty-four, thirty-two, thirty-three, maybe, maybe six years on. Here we go. So Gavin like Henson, Jamie from the Joe, Joe Rogan podcast. Gavin Henson, forty-one. Dan Bigger, thirty-three. So eight years exactly. There as you I go said. Then. Take it back. <laughs> but James Hook is younger than Gavin Henson. He is. Uh, Hook is thirty-eight. 30, mm, yeah. He's same Hook age as Johnny Sexton. So he's five years older. Same age as Johnny Sexton. Christ, he's been out of the game for two well, Johnny years. Johnny Sexton's 37, is he? He will be 38. I think he's 38 this year, yeah. Johnny Sexton. Yeah. Um, so that, that's Scrum Half we kind of touched on. Other, other names that you'd like to see? I, I'm hoping at Hooker we see a few interesting names. I, I like Jamie Blamire, George McGuigan, the guys that have had caps before. 
or been involved before. I just want to McGuigan got injured last year, didn't he, when he moved to Gloucester? Yeah, he, he came back towards the end of the season, he? so he's fit again now. Good. Uh, so I imagine he will be back in. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there must be something, and again, what Steve Borthwick and other and Eddie Jones and whatever have forgotten about rugby is more than I'll ever know. Untrue. So they <laughs> must. So they they must know something. But like Harry Thacker, I just I just Thacker. Well, the guy you bought your Saracens who Theo Dan. Theo Dan. Love him. Theo Dan. Another guy. Love, I think he will be in. Yeah, he, so, he'd be a good shout. Yeah, I I like Jack Walker at Quinns. I know he, he's Yorkshire Carnegie initially mm-hmm. Bath, and then he kind of struggled. I think he's done well at Quinns. I think he's done well at I think he's, well. I think he's a good shout. Um, I think first two choice two will still be Jamie George yeah. and LCD. LCD. Dan Kelly must be in with a big shout. Yeah, surely. That must be a guy that they want. Dan Kelly, yeah. Yeah, cen- t- centre, yeah, Dan Kelly, definitely. I reckon Seb Atkinson will get called up to the yeah. wider training yeah. squad. Atkinson's a good shout. I, I definitely, we're bouncing around all over the place. He's definitely been in a squad before, but not played. I don't think Tom Pearson. Oh yeah, he needs Has he to. needs to be. I mean, Cocker's Law gets challenging because there's a lot of options at back row, but I think he has to be. I'd, in there. I'd have him above. I, I I love these two players, but I'd have him above Sam Simmons and Ben Earl. It's interesting, right? Because yeah, probably yeah. It's difficult to pick, isn't it? With it's difficult to pick just on name value. Like, what have they done for their clubs? Pick a team now. I think once you get them into camp, just let them compete, let them mm-hmm. beat each other up, see how they go in the warm-ups, and then make some tough decisions. Yeah. So you see your best is? You want to see if they're test match animals? Is that what you're saying, JB? Yeah. Well, who said that before? <laughs> well, I, think, I think I just created it myself, actually. That's very good. Well, <laughs> this is my feeling about Gus Wall. That, you know, he won a spot against England's most coveted mm. young scrum half. Quirky. So what might happen if you put him against all of England's most coveted scrum halves? I saw Rafi Quirk must live in Charlton. He re- lives somewhere around Because I, I saw him. I, uh, I saw him walking past Mary and Archie's the other day. Mm. And, and all, I, I, I said I wouldn't chat about what we talked about too much. All, all I say is I said, how was Marbs, mate? Because the whole sale team went, <laughs> went off to out, Marbella yeah, straight, yeah. straight after the final, which um, would have been amazing if they'd won. But anyway, uh, and he went, fun. <laughs> and, uh, what happens and, in March? I, I said loose, and he went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he knows I'm a Steve, he knows I'm a journalist. He's always a pro. Yeah, uh, yeah Steve, Steve Diamond's um, old uh, old fa- favorite holiday, or maybe current fa- favorite holiday. <laughs> I'm, sure, mm-hmm. I'm sure it is. I'm sure Dimes loves it. He loves mobs. Yeah. Um, well, he didn't get that tan from nowhere, did he? <laughs> some beds, some beds, some beds and mobs. <laughs> Um, another one you've been calling him for him for a while, Tim, and he's—I'm sure he's been in a squad, but never been capped unless he's been in like one of the Barbars games. Val Rapava Ruskin. Oh my goodness! What, get that guy in. Yeah, well, another Gloucester guy. Another Gloucester guy. Yeah, yeah. Would be, um, and it's more hope than anything else. But Mark Atkinson. Be nice to see him back. If he can get fit, yeah, I suspect he won't be. Yeah. I suspect the ship has sailed for Mark Atkinson. I, I, I think so. But he's, he's, he's probably no one can take that England cap away from him. That no, guy's no, played for England, and he and he deserved it thoroughly yeah, as well, thoroughly, because yeah. thoroughly. he was one of the best in the Premiership for years yeah. as well, many years. Having kind of made it to the Premiership late, comparatively, because people can be flippant about those sort of one cap wonders and stuff, but he's got an England cap. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, so yeah, definitely him. Um. There's a, just I, I'm 
I'm looking for players that you can d- just can do something a little bit different. Sprinkle a bit of, of X Factor on top. Basically, lots of Arundels. Yeah, I want a bit more. I want, I want a little bit of that. Not necessarily to start, but at this point. Okay, well, like just, what about Finn Smith? I, I really like him. I like Finn Smith. Yeah, really like, Dingwall. I, and he's fi- so right, Dingwall. I really like. I yep. think he's a very, very solid, capable all-round centre. Finn Smith is a good shout because I, I remember thinking of those kind of Midlands young up-and-coming fly halves. Initially, I preferred Charlie Atkinson. Yes, but Finn Smith is the one who's been getting the game time. Obviously, in different teams, but he's been getting far more game time. He's been trusted with that Northampton ten shirt and. I thought it was quite telling for Charlie Atkinson that he didn't get the um, when Andre Pollard got injured. Mm. Yeah. That it was Gopuff. Well, he's yeah. also injured. Called up. Atkinson's he was on the bench for the final, wasn't he? Yeah, but oh, sorry for the final. For the final, yes. yeah, yeah, maybe. But he was injured, I think, for the majority of the season, which is why he yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. taking over. But Tigers have got they haven't got rid. He's left because um, of the end of his contract. They've got left. Lost Go- Gopuff. Yeah. Do you know who they've got as their third choice fly half now? Ooh. I do not. God, I love talking about third choice fly halves. Pollard, Atkinson, and. Dan Cole. K- Kieran Wilkinson. Oh, the former sale. Yeah, which I think is a decent little pickup, that. So they're pretty stacked at fly half, should they need any cover. Hmm. So, yeah. Nice pickup. Yeah, interesting. I mean, so it's, not, it's not like having Ford. And the world's best fly off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. I'm expecting Daly to be back in the fold again. Definitely Daly. Daly should be. Although his, his final was a yeah. bit of a mixed bag. Yeah. Positives and negatives. But yeah, he he should be back. He was the best player in the league in the first. Him and Theo from McFarland for the first yeah. half. Yeah. Well, he good. works so well with Farrell. I think the guy who's hoping most for daily to come back will be Farrell because they just know each other's game and they work so well together he yeah. is the cutting edge that Farrell needs for his uh, pragmatism so yeah he will be in the same way he hates Ben Spencer he <laughs> loves Daly <laughs> there was a move it's about three four years ago a very early move like first two minutes against Ireland which included an unbelievably flat Miss pass down the left hand side. It might have been missed two. It might even been a missed three from Faz to Daly breaking down the left hand touchline. It's a thing of beauty if you can find that. Well, the thing is with Daly, I mean, it feels like he's been doing Daly stuff for years. Like, he probably has been around for a decade or so. He's probably 30. Yeah. So he's a yeah. magnificently talented attacking player. But when you're that explosive and that quick, time will catch up with you. Mm. So I just hope he's the same player he was before his injury. And if he's not, I think that's when you replace him with an Arundel. I see a lot of similarities, actually, between Arundel running from deep and Daly running from deep back in the day. Because Daly was doing the same stuff. Just oh, getting yeah. the ball and scoring. Oh, Arundel's going to be in on, on the bench in England. Depends how well he does in camp. I mean, I think, I think by the time that first 15 gets selected for that first game in the World Cup it will be very different to the last Six Nations because that Six Nations team was an inheritance from Eddie Jones. And this is going to be a brand new team that Borthwick actually gets to work with and pick and find out who he likes and implement his own systems. So mm. I think we're going to look at a completely different... I wouldn't be surprised if there's seven or eight changes. From, from the Six Nations? Yeah, but it's, you're limited because of the the number of changes to the elite player squad. Well, we don't know. But there hasn't been any official... That's what we understand to be the case, but there's never been any sort of categorical oh. black and white... Yeah, that, I'm sure that it's been... On the f- numbers. Yeah, I'm sure it's been formally... I'm sure it's five. Okay, yeah, I think... I'm sure there's been a 
it's okay. written within the right. elite player squad. So this, this is this is both with a blank bit of paper. Well, I don't actually know. You'd hope so. The fifty-five is a blank bit of paper because yeah. it's you could, in theory, take say thirty-five less five less any injuries plus if he twenty cannot, plus. If he cannot treat a World Cup squad like a blank, blank bit piece, of yeah, paper, it should be. Then, it, then it's. The, yeah, the systems. Here's ridiculous. a guy. You know, you're gonna laugh now. You think I'm, I'm absolutely insane, but sometimes circumstance messes up your career. I think the guy who was really pushing for England, um, not recognition, but a training camp squad. Sorry, a training squad spot was Curtis Langdon, and because he went to because he went to Worcester, he's had no further rugby. But when he left Sale, he was ripping up trees. He was absolutely great. And since he's left Sale, he's had no real rugby. Mm. He's gone over to Montpellier, can't play. He's mm. coming back to Northampton. We've not seen anything from him because, of course, Northampton haven't, haven't mm. played. Yeah, good player. But that is a guy I'd good like player. to have seen. Speaking of people in France, there was... Uh, oh, Zach Mercer will be the other name that's involved. Zach Mercer. Yeah. And there was a, a brace of brothers getting experience of the top 14 semi-finals. One who was in the Six Nations squad and one who could be in the wider squad. In, Tom in, and Jack. Yeah, Tom Willis. There's... He'll be involved. You, you could do worse than putting Tom Willis into that squad. Yeah, definitely. You could do a lot worse than that. Yeah. But as for uh, Nations, well, another head coach who has got a blank bit of paper, but basically because he's got no players he can put on it, is Warren Gatland at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, the, the name's getting rubbed out every single day, it seems. So we were up in the kitchen and you started um, you started telling me about this. I wasn't really aware of what was going on, so yeah, go for it. Well, just uh, apparently, Warren Gatland might have to send an SOS for Jake Ball because Price, Jake Ball's in Australia, isn't he? Because he doesn't have any locks. So Alan Wynne Jones, although I suspect Alan Wynne Jones did it when it was on his own terms because he was expecting the inevitable, or maybe even got a nudge from Gatland, like your maybe fourth or fifth choice, perhaps if you're lucky. Uh, but Corey Hill has said no, not interested. Um, there's uh, so the the contenders for the for the World Cup spot: Adam Beard, Will Rowlands, Daffith Jenkins. That's basically it. If you unless Adam you can't. Beard, Will Rowlands. Okay, good. Okay, so far and for, Daffith oh, Jenkins, which is which is fine, decent. But that's yeah. it. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, then they're struggling. You've got novices. Christ, Chris, yeah, Chris, Chris, Christians. Chris, I think they count him as a back row more than yeah. a lock. He's also yeah. a liability at this point. Yeah, and Daffith Jenkins is those two. Uh, Chris T and David Jenkins, huge potential. Not, they're not there yet. You wouldn't want no. them going against Lude and Etzebeth, for example. No, you would not, would you? <laughs> not or, really. Um, or Retallick and Whitelock. No, wouldn't want that. So it, yeah. again, this is it's kind of Gatlin's laws biting whales in the ass now. And uh, there's players who are saying, "No, I'll I'll forego being for the World Cup because I don't have to come and play for a Welsh team." Yeah, right, rightly so. So I can't really think of any. I mean, Jake Ball, Jake Ball. Sure, he's, he is in Australia. Have I made that up? I think he's in I Japan. Think he's in Japan. Yeah. This is according to Wikipedia. I think the thought is that he could come back. Oh, my word. I mean, yeah, great player five years ago. I mean, not great player, a player. He was a player five years ago. Yeah, he's only 31. What? Surprisingly. Oh, yeah. no, 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 that's Wait. wrong. Sorry, he finds himself eligible again now because the cap rule has been reduced. That's what ah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I couldn't believe that. I was expecting Jake Ball to be 35, 36. Nope, 31. Crikey. Right, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's tough paper round. Yeah, I, I don't know who else I'd call up. I don't know enough about Welsh rugby, so maybe Will, someone... Will Rowland is a very good player. Um, He's not a world-class lock. No, no. And not by a long but, way. Uh, Beard, well, maybe. Beard is very unique. Um, 
he's a hell of a player defending a, a rolling mall. Um, Seb Davis, is he still a thing? Uh, is he a lock? He's back row, isn't I he? I think he's a lock. So look at him. Anyway, so they're struggling a little bit. So watch this space. I guess is is the headline there. I'm trying to think what other. He's big enough to be a lock. He certainly yeah. is. Lock blind, like a six 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 hundred nineteen kg. Yeah, good that enough. is big enough. Take him. Yeah, I got no idea. Take whoever you want. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> let's. You just mentioned the Willis brothers. Let's touch on them. Unfortunately, it is not going to be a Jack v Tom final. It's not. It's did a you, bit of a um, shame. Did you see any of the semi-finals highlights? Bo- highlights of both games. I yeah. watched uh, most of the Toulouse. Oh, you managed to get um, via play. Via play working. Oh, you had, well, you had via play working last week. They just didn't show the game. No, so I can't. I don't know what email I've used to buy via play. I just know it bills me, so I can't get on the app. But it was on Daily Motion the entire, the entire Toulouse versus Racing game. Mm. So I watched it there. So a few interesting things of note. Um, my boy, who I've now forgotten his name, is playing eight for Racing, which means he's incredibly valuable. What the hell's his name? Black guy <laughs> play, uh, plays Lock. Joseph? No. How do I not? Cam- Cameron Walkie. Walkie. Oh, Walkie. Who I absolutely adore. I yeah. think he's one of the best players on the planet. So as far as I can see, uh, he is primarily a, a flanker, that, but so valuable that France play him at Lock, and now he can also play eight. General he's, Dominator. General Dominator. Yeah, he's he's absolutely brilliant. But he wasn't brilliant enough because he got absolutely spanked. They did get spanked. They got absolutely ruined. So it was 34-0. Toulouse should have made it 41-0, but through an intercept and Racing got off the mark with Fiku. Uh, and then they scored another consolation try late on. It yeah, was, so this the was first 30 minutes were pretty close. This is an absolute beatdown. I've only seen the highlights, and the highlights made it look like, well, as it was sequentially... To lose, try, 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 intercept. Uh, and it's already game over by yeah. that point. So, um, LaBelle goes over, over over the first one. But yeah, nice, that, nice it's try. kind of like, yeah, it wasn't like, he is so fast. Yeah. Has, has he got any French caps? Yes, definitely capped. He is seriously rapid. Mathieu Like the LaBelle. way he, he, he runs those lovely angles between players and he's fast enough to get away with it. He, he is fast. Yeah, I don't seem to remember him in any French squads in the Six Nations. I'm, sorry, I'm just looking up now. I'm sh- I'm absolutely certain he's capped. Emmanuel Mayarfit, by the way, is just a freak. Matis, Matis, yes. uh, five five caps for France. And do you know the guy that I also really like? Is it Tol the winger for Racing who is Oh I love him. He can really play. Yeah. Although he didn't really play much. There was a, a photograph doing the rounds early this week of, because the weather's been lovely, Julian Marchand on the training pitch in a vest. Oh. My oh. goodness me. That guy is an unbelievable Nick. Yeah, so Marchand's an excellent. Marchand is an excellent player. Um, his opposite number didn't have a great game. Camille Schatt. Um, it'll, all, it'll always live with me that when me and Phil were in Japan and we're in... Fukuoka? Fukuoka. Fukuoka. Eating, basically, entrails of any animal that they were serving. And drinking beer, talking to a Frenchman. And he described watching Camille Schatz line-up throwing (laughs) as launching pizzas. (laughs) (laughs) And it is absolutely true. Camille Schatz was launching pizzas everywhere. (laughs) Absolutely everywhere. That wrestling pack is not good enough. You know, for all the money they spend on Finn Russell and maybe Harry Harry Arundel, um, who else are they linked with? They linked with someone else. Uh, no, Marcus name. Smith. 
Marcus, Marcus Smith. Smith. Yeah, but I mean, Trevor Nyakane will not be cheap. No, he will not be. Cameron Wilkie, and not he's not cheap. that good. Yeah, from what I can tell, uh, the scrum did not go well at all. Toulouse dominated them. The, the Toulouse pack is a serious pack, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you think the top fourteen are think of think of the top fourteen as a seriously strong league in terms of depth, and it is. It definitely is. There, there are some great teams in there, but actually, it's the two teams that excelled in the European Cup, which have risen risen to the top. So, in that respect, it's a little bit predictable because those two teams are so far ahead of everyone else. Yeah, uh, and maybe it's just the constitution of this current side because everyone will be spending the money. Um, but yeah, they are head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah, and Toulouse have brought some talent through that is world class, like Dupont, like and Uh Not Dupont. Oh, he wasn't, was yeah, he? Yeah, no, not. he was at Cast. Yeah, which isn't far. Um, and he, he grew up wanting to play for Toulouse, but we all grew uh, up wanting to play for Toulouse. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> not, not many of us didn't. <laughs> was Ramos? Was Ramos a, a local boy? I think he was. Tell me, he wasn't a local boy, and it always surprised me. Is Jojon? Jojon was brought into Toulouse at a young age. Mm. There's, there's actually a, there's a big gravity of these teams. Yet um, Ramos was was Fico at Toulouse. Oh God! I fe- have a feeling he was before he went to Ras uh, to. There's so much change in. Yeah, the... I think Fico was, and then he went to Stade Francais, and Stade Francais to Racing. Toulouse, 2012 to 2018. Yeah, yeah. There, there is an enormous because I, I don't actually know, but one would assume, given the amount of movement within the league, that they don't have the same limits as uh, the Premiership about taking players. Although the, premi- the, the Premierships is only they can't be marquee players. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe they do. Maybe they just they've got a much bigger cap, therefore they can pay more money. Well. When a cap works, and it really works, you'll know because big players start, start to move. So when the English Premiership cap it really starts working, you will see Mario Toji moving, you will see Owen Farrell moving, you will see all mm. these big players. Now, they're a little different because, you know, arrangements. Um, <laughs> but you are, you are starting to see players move, uh, move about a bit more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that look, well, a total beatdown, like you say. The other game is a little bit more even, but still, La Rochelle... It was their class. It well, looked more even in the end, but it was still. Yeah. It was twenty-one-three, and it was it was kind of done. And there was a consolation, or a couple of consolation tries towards the end. But the attendance of the two <laughs> I games. to say that. Wow. Yeah, the, the Toulouse game, which I watched, was it felt like an occasion. I mean, that's a semi, and the Premiership would be fa- would be happy for that for their final. I mean, they'd be delighted if they had that as a final. It was a great. It, you know, the atmosphere. The spectacle, the whole lot—it's just different league now. It's it's incredible, and you know you compare the French top fourteen that this week to what we saw in the Southern Hemisphere. Again, empty seats, half full stadiums. It's the only league that's even worth worth talking about. I feel. I mean, there's some good rugby to be seen, but in terms of the excitement and the spectacle, there's only one league in town. Now. I am going to. Pay a subscription to whoever is reliably. If Via Play carry on doing this, play it the next day and don't actually put it live. But I will pay a subscription to anyone who reliably puts the top fourteen on TV next season. Yeah, hmm. I think a UK broadcaster would be smart to ditch the Premiership now and get top I fourteen. I don't know about that. I still think that was, uh, I'm, it's incredibly. Ni- it'll be incredibly niche. Yeah, because you won't have to pay much for it in the UK no, as well. Because there'll be yeah. very few people competing for it. Or I might just pay for a VPN and. <laughs> Get Canal Plus. Are you allowed to say that with your job? If you pay for Canal Plus, 
Are you allowed to... Uh, VPNs, they're not illegal. They are? I don't, I don't as know. As long as you're not using it to you I know, I, I do would, an illegal I, streaming site. No, I would never do an illegal you, streaming No, you wouldn't. Site. I mean, you've been very if you're paying, about that. If you're paying for... If I'm doing a VPN and paying for Canal Plus... Or what, yeah, whatever the... Uh, whatever's showing it in France. That's mm, all right, isn't it? That'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it. Of course it is. Someone's yeah. getting paid. If it's, not, if it's not okay, then I wouldn't do it, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Letter of the law. Uh, one thing that did happen, I mean, we talked about it enough last week, so we don't need to go into it, but the confirmation of what we expected to happen, the London Irish. Done. Incredibly sad. Yeah. Entirely, it. entirely predictable. <sighs> do you know what really annoyed me about this? <laughs> go on. And I hate, I hate, uh, Tim will enjoy this, but nevertheless... Why did they get ex-premiership head of comms to do the comms for them when they had no intention of buying London Irish? What, what was the idea? Like, why was nothing communicated? Well, uh, Maybe uh, they did have uh, a, uh, point. some kind of loose what? ambition. Hold but on. Can we just rewind a minute? So, so there's, no, there's no doubt that um, RFU haven't um, been good custodians of English rugby at grassroots or the elite level yeah. for, for what for the impact they can have and they, there's mm-hmm. only so much they can do Premiership Rugby likewise the owners of Premiership Clubs can I just talk about London Irish for a second yeah, sure. what on earth were they doing signing the players that they signed for the money that they signed them let me just run you through a few these are estimated uh, you know um <sighs> When I've put these numbers in years gone by to <coughs> to people, I haven't had anyone deny it, and I've had so I'm not saying these are factual. But Adam Coleman nine hundred thousand pounds per year. That's I mean, a lot, that, isn't it? That is insane. Yeah, Sean O'Brien when he was there four hundred and fifty thousand pounds per year. That's amazing. Yep. Uh, what are we talking? Um, oh, what's his name? Steve Maffey four hundred and fifty k per wow. year when he was there. Like and, and Rob Simmons will be something similar. And I'm all for spending up to the cap and stuff. And I don't actually, and we've talked about this many times, I don't, I understand, but I don't necessarily approve of the race to the bottom that Newcastle are currently doing, for example, which, fine, if there's no relegation, I don't blame them because the incentive's there to behave in that way. Yeah. Well, we need to stop talking about Newcastle as as a premiership team. They're a team in the premiership. They're not a premiership team. Um... On London Irish, I'm going to make the devil... No, Yeah, I'm going to advocate for them, right? Um, and I think what they would say, or the logic... I think this is the general sports logic. Same as when Wasps went under, same as when Worcester went under, and like the week before they wanted to bring in a guy from New Zealand, a lot from New Zealand, right? I think they would say, we are in the sports business, sports is entertainment. If we want, have, want to have any chance... Of making this work, we need people through the gates to come watch us. Yeah. So I know that Sale Sharks, for instance, have a number in their head of how many people need to go through those gates in order for them to break even. Mm-hmm. And I think London Irish would be thinking the same thing. Like if we spend all this on uh, on on, uh, on players, build it and they will come. Yeah, build it and they will come. I seem to remember back in the day when Sale were in their first phase of success when they won the Premiership. It did feel exciting. Now I don't think they made any money, but it did feel exciting. And they built it, and people did did show up. For whatever reason it is now, people are not are just not showing up, and I think it's because, well, rugby's been handled horrifically. The marketing isn't there. But also, I think if you live in Lon- in London, you haven't got a clue who plays for London Irish. I just don't think it, they, I don't think, think they register. I think if you lived in Manchester, very few people know that George Ford is here. Very few people. So I'd, I'd say that very few people know who George Ford is. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Actually, there again. Everybody knew who Sebastian 
Chappelle was. Yeah. Like, literally, like, I would go to, I'd be talking to people, because I work in financial services, right? And I'd be talking to people in, in town also in financial services who have no interest in rugby, but they knew who, who Sebastian Chappelle was. Like, yeah. and, you know, that's a fairly niche character to know. Well, he wasn't even English. But he, he was on the front of magazines and yes, stuff, wasn't exactly. he? And mar- yeah, exactly. Like and the fronting up big marketing campaigns. Like, people know who Mario Toji is probably because, oh, is he the guy that did those Vitality uh, little adverts before the one Sky Sports to, News? Is he the one that wanted to give laptops to kids because Grift Nation told him to or something? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's obviously something, a massive disconnect between what rugby has on the field and trying to tell everyone how great it is. You know, mm. so yeah, that's sad. That's sad. So, and I don't have a team, but if the, the team I have had the biggest connection with and had a soft spot for was London Irish, because my brother played there, and uh, and I've always loved them as a club. So, well, Wasps, uh, right mess. Yeah, Wasps and Worcester towards the end of their days were not inspiring people at all on the field. Wasps occasionally because they were very, very well coached. I mean, they were squeezing everything they possibly could out of that squad in terms of style and in terms of talent. London Irish were different kettle officials together. They were brilliant. I mean, if you were a neutral and you wanted to watch some exciting rugby, you turn on London Irish and they were absolute quality. Dynamite. Mm. Yeah. And that, never, that was never sold. You know, no one really... I'm not even sure people who, who like rugby knew how good London <laughs> Irish were in the, in, in, in the final years. Well, this brings final me Final year. Final, final year. year, yeah. This yeah. brings me on to something which I just want to touch on. And there's a lot of re- revisionism going on from people at the minute. Oh, please. So... Please. I want to... So when did this, the, the Premiership CVC deal get signed? In 2018, wasn't it? The end of 2018. Yeah. yeah. Early 2019. Yeah. By all means... You can just take my word for it. Uh, by all means, if you want to go back and listen to old podcasts, that's brilliant. We'll get the we'll get the hits. We'll get the advertising revenue. That's fantastic. Go and listen. But but to save you a bit of time, let me summarise. Uh, JB, um, <laughs> fair play, came out and said back then in December of 2018 and uh, in the early parts of 2019 and consistently ever since. This is a disastrous deal that the Premiership have done. Mark my words, they will live to regret this and they won't have to wait too long. He said the same thing when the Six Nations deal was signed. And there's a lot of people I've noticed, and this is the bit that's frustrating me, there's a lot of people in the last week, You just if you pop on Twitter or see what people are saying or whatever, there's a lot of people in with influential voices in rugby who are talking as if that is also the view that they always took. Monday morning quarterbacking mm. it. And at some point, we've talked about this, we, we may well go back and just check what did they say at the time. Yeah. Because so, I think it's very, very... I suspect, I don't know because I haven't done that research yet, I suspect it's very, very different. All I do know is in the last week, suddenly you would think that everyone was always against this absolutely. CVC deal. So I'll tell you who was against the CVC deal in like the top echelons of... Of rugby, that'd be Simon Cohen from um, Leicester, Leicester Tigers, Tigers at the he, time. At the time, he was Leicester. In Tigers, terms yeah. of the pundit class, from memory, I tell you, he was definitely against. Well, not against it, but uh, I'm pretty sure he said, "Do not spend this on players." It was Andy Good, right? And some of these clubs, to be fair to them, Exeter sunk it straight in, put it straight into New Northampton. Have got a brand new training centre yep. outside Franklin's Gardens. So, like, sensible, sensible. Some people did do this now. Is a training centre sensible? I mean, it's something, isn't it? At least it's something. It's a long-term it's, asset. Yeah. It's an asset. Yeah. yeah. But like, you need revenue-generating stuff, like ASAP. 
ASAP because you're exchanging your income for capital, effectively, which yeah. is so stupid. I mean, it's so stupid. Um, yeah, but people were saying, um, they'd be tweeting things like, brilliant, finally, private equity wants a, a, a piece of rugby. Experts in business. I almost wish I hadn't said, I'm going to go back and check, because I bet you some people will go back and delete what they said. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I would delete. I, bet I mean, if I was in favour of it in any way. I mean, I always thought that maybe, maybe we'd come to a situation where you have a third-party owner, and that third-party owner would just whip everyone into shape because they're not into rugby, they don't have the historic connections, and there's a lot of money at stake for these people. And they'd, they'd come in in a cold fashion and say, why this makes no sense, why are you yeah. all pulling in those different directions, sucking you, sucking you, sucking you, and we're going this yeah. way. So you know, they- I, I'm, I'm very happy to say, that, like, to be honest, I said I was optimistic about the deal at the mm. time for two reasons. One, Exactly what the point that you just made, Tim. Fresh pair of eyes. No one can be worse than the people that have been doing this for the last 20 well, years. But but it turns out they are. Do you know, weirdly, weirdly, the most successful guy who was in charge of the Premiership was probably Mark McCaffrey, <laughs> who like presided over increasing TV deals year after year mm. after year. Now, he leaves... No way, he went. Was he a consultant for the RFU? Or, I don't know, don't care. Right, the, the business geniuses, which are CBC... The absolute titans of the world. Their first move was to appoint Darren Childs <laughs> as CEO of the Premiership. This man stood up and gave a rousing speech about the playing fields of Eton and how rugby originated there. <laughs> I mean, the clues in the name, right? The clues in the name. And who, then they who was kept... just just on that. Who's the MP who? gave a speech at the opening the, the rugby, rugby league. league World Cup by saying she loved Johnny Wilkinson's drop goal. Yeah. Oh, Nadine Doris. <laughs> was, it, was it Nadine Doris? <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, but, there, there, is, there is that too. Yeah. Um, what, and they keep all of the same incompetent individuals who just basically ran interference for Premiership Rugby. Darren Charles, from what I can tell, did not give a single interview in his whole tenure and presided over an absolute disaster. Well, well, his biggest failing was the fact that there was no... He was so... He wasn't forthcoming at all during COVID. No, Other than to say, we will be the first sport back, and, and then, then we were... Did he say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was... That was what, they were strong on that. We will. We are putting plans in place. We will be the first. And then it was like two months... Yeah, two back. months after everything... Including so motocross I and to? I was talking to someone high up in rugby circles. It might have even been Bill Sweeney. He he actually used to talk talk to me back in the day. <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, we've been on the phone to the." Uh, no, I wasn't talking to him. It, it, it was on an interview, and he said, "You know, we're on the phone to the Department of Sports, Media, and Culture every day." I'm like, "What to, to receive your orders? Get the boys on the field and sort it out <laughs> later." Like, but they, but this is how they work now. This is why we've got. An independent consultant in government telling uh, the Department of Sports, Media and Culture like how rugby should be run because they're completely dependent. They're, they're, they're incapable of making their own, their own decisions. They should have, during COVID, just put the boys back on the field, dealt, dealt with the consequences later. Mm. They, should, they, they should have blazed the trail. Instead, they didn't. Because it was pretty obvious to see they had to take loans in order just to survive. Yeah. And it was pretty obvious. Anyone... And Well, I'll say anyone. Fair play. You're a financial advisor and you saw it. You could see where this was heading, and I mean, there were other people, uh, Mark Evans, Simon Cohen, like you say. There, yep. there are others as well who saw the writing on the wall here. Had had they done that, then these clubs may well still be operating. But but, but it, it, it was the you can say it was a straw that broke the camel's back. But 
it was a significant contributor to what we've now okay. got. But here's a scandal, right? This, I think this is a scandal. I genuinely think it's a scandal. So the Premiership did what the Premiership did because they were desperate. The best way to think of the CVC deal, the best way, is it's a deal by owners who wanted to maintain their power within the sport who couldn't afford to be there. That's why they did it. They couldn't afford to be there, so it was a short-term fix, and they were living on a dream, thinking that CVC will come in and something will happen to turn around their fortunes. So they were unsuccessful without CVC, and it's been a disaster with CVC. So what the CVC deal does is it mortgaged the futures of the clubs because it means that the clubs are now uninvestable by future owners. Because previously, what would have happened to London Irish or Wasps or Worcester is someone would have come in and said, yeah, we'll take on this because, you know, it's just a normal sports team. It's just a normal sports club. But now they've got this CVC waiter on its neck. So if someone's interested, it's going to be the Colin Goldrings who are going to find some, you know, almost fraudulent way. And they, I don't know if they can commit fraud or not, so I might not use that word. But some way to make money out of a club which has nothing to do with rugby. Yeah, for the other assets. Yeah. For the other assets. Uh, that's what will happen. Uh, other than that, someone's going to wait, as you've said previously, <coughs> until it sinks as low as it possibly can and then buy the whole lot up. Well, I don't even think anyone would be interested. I mean, CBC would never buy the whole lot up because they'd be completely against their business plan. They, they really do not want that. But the real scandal is, after seeing this, look, I'm in a basement in Manchester, Right, it's not like I'm in the inside of boardrooms or anything like that, and I can see that this is an absolute disaster. Right, the RFU are in boardrooms and they do have connections, and then they copied the deal that the Premiership had already done, and they did it about two uh, about two years after. So this week, Mark McCaffrey has written Mark McCaffrey, sorry, Francis, Francis Barron, Barron, former CEO of England yeah. Rugby has written a report, and I assume... I don't know whether, who the report was destined for. It seems to be for Rugby Paper. I know. I think r- the Rugby Paper just did what you did and editorialised what he said. So yeah. Francis Barron has come out, and basically this is good to move it on because the Premiership CBC did is one thing, and we've seen the consequence... Well, it's contributed. It wasn't... The clubs aren't blameless. The RFU uh, isn't, uh, isn't blameless. Premiership Rugby isn't blameless. The CBC deal is a, contri- a significant contributing factor. And to move it on, Francis Barron has come out and said... Just you wait. This is coming for no, and there won't be clubs going bust in the same way. But there's a, a sign, England rugby, for example, are massively hamstrung, says Francis Barron, from investing in rugby, yeah. I- including in Premiership rugby, because of the deal. The in his uh, he agrees with you, disastrous deal that they've struck with yeah. CBC. So the Premiership have done their deal, and it's a clear disaster. Anyone with any any financial knowledge will know it is a disaster. You know, it, it's just obvious. And the RFU copied it. And the real scandal is this. The Premiership owners did that because they have all got businesses and they're, and they're losing money. And the Premiership is basically a failed, bus- a failed business venture. Now, there's other reasons to be in a failed business venture. Sports washing, you know, associated. <laughs> um, like, just associated pride of owning a sports team can be beneficial to tangential businesses. There's Holidays sorts, in mobs. For, yeah, there, there's all sorts of other reasons to want to own a rugby team other, other than making money. But fundamentally, that's what happened. People who can't afford to own rugby teams were owning rugby teams. And they mortgaged the futures of those teams so no one else could effectively buy them, right? It's different for the RFU. The RFU own the entire game. They own the entire game. Like, they print money. They, they, they open Twickenham and they print money. There is no reason that the RFU should be in a situation where they need to sell the family silver to CBC. Mm. Ever. Ever. Yeah, they, so, they should not have been yeah. anywhere near this deal. Like, if, if Premiership Rugby want to do that and ditch all their 
you know, history and historic brands and have all their assets go elsewhere. That's completely down to them. The RFU should never have done this. And this report by Francis Barron is so interesting because it highlights things which I didn't know about. So I think there is a potential next year that the... Is it the year, next year or the year after that the RFU will have to fork out something like I want to say eighty it's million. Ninety eight million is it? It's in twenty twenty eight, so we're five years off. Okay. But C V C have a sole put option requiring the RFU to pay them this is quote from Sir Francis Barron's report, to pay them ninety six million pounds in twenty twenty eight. The RFU right now does not have Oh no no. Is that not is this not the catering deal? Uh, so there's a catering deal as well, which is... Um, not, yeah, that is not the catering deal. That's the 2028 yes. sole put option. So there's also a catering deal, which I had no idea about. Where the RFU- oh, sorry, is that, is that for the RFU to extricate themselves from the deal? They can just pay CBC £98 million and then they get out of it? Is that, is that what I'm that not is? even sure if it's quite that simple. Uh, I think it might be paying off some of the investment that investment in loose sense that CVC put into the RFU that was supposed to be spent on growing the game oh my but goodness. couldn't have been spent on growing the game as uh, Sir Francis Barron sets out Yeah, the other thing as well is the RFU are not able to use this money as income, right? So like it, it says now that they're making less money than ever because, well they're making less money because they're giving away their giving income, but they do have yeah. these capital receipts. So you know, their reserves are nicely, are nicely topped up, at least for the short term. But they're at risk of breaking all sorts of covenants, and it's just it's the whole thing is just an absolute mess. Uh, let me just find this other bit, which is really interesting. It is, uh, yeah. So like, yeah, capital proceeds. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It cannot be used to fill short-term revenue gaps. Oh, you think? Of course it can't. Of course it can't. So that means, of course, if there's a short-term revenue gap, even though the RFU might have the money, guess what's coming? More uh, more cuts. Which makes you wonder, how do they afford all these new women's deals? We'll talk about that later, actually. Uh, there's a really interesting one about... about the catering. Well, there's actually a load of... Uh, and again... Well... You could argue whether it's the best value corporate deal. <coughs> there seems to be a load of corporate money surrounding women's rugby and stuff. It's a, it's mm. a thing that lots of corporate people want to. Well, do you know what? To be involved in. If that is the, if that is the case, well, fair play. And I, see, yeah. I really hope it is the case, right? If that is the case, it is only fair that the women's game hives itself off onto its own union and it can enjoy all of its own success. Because you, know, <laughs> you don't want the men's game, the RFU yeah. mess draining from it. Absolutely right. You know, if the <laughs> yeah, women yeah. are this successful, 
Yeah, yeah. Right. My advice to them would be take your game away from the RFU and have your own union and enjoy all of your money and all of your success because you deserve it. You worked hard for it. If it turns out it's just the RFU throwing money at the women's game because this is the greatest investment which we've ever seen by a bunch of people who clearly don't know what the word investment means, well then, no, they shouldn't be doing that, should they? So, you know, I, I, I'm very, I'm highly sceptical. Yeah, they say corporate money. I've not seen any, any evidence to back that up yet. Yeah. Um, so other things about a CBC deal is the RFU used to be able to say, okay, here's Six Nations, you can buy that, but also part of this package will be you've got to buy, I don't know, some championship games because they could wrap up various things. Well, they don't have any control over selling that now. So they have to separate out the Six Nations from, uh, from everything else. Uh, there's also a case uh, in 2028, they were not going to have enough money to do anything like the funding deal that they've done with the Premiership. So whatever the future is for the RFU, I mean, they should be able to carry on in some form. The Premiership, w- uh, uh, the premiership won't. The England funding for the Premiership will just evaporate pretty much, o- uh, pretty much overnight. The money that they've... <laughs> yeah, the money that they've received from this deal, I think the headline is 100-something million. But actually what they received up front was something like 60 million. And the rest of it is to come well, in the it was, future. It was actually sixty million less than the amount which was said. So it was like it might have been one hundred and eighty, but actually it was one hundred and twenty. Yeah, like and there's like twelve million of fees or some stupid yeah. amount which has come out of that figure. Have they thought about inflation? Because if you're going to get this in like five <laughs> years' time, inflation's running at eight to eight to ten percent. Uh, that's quite a lot of money, boys. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot so of it's money just disappearing in front of yeah. your eyes as your as all of your costs are going up. And there was no reason for the RFE to do this. At all, but they did it anyway because I don't know reasons. Bill Sweeney has got to go. I mean, there's no ifs or buts now. He has to go. I, I think from what, and I think basically Francis Barron. I, again, I don't want to. I'm. I think I'm paraphrasing him correctly here. I apologise too, Sir Francis Barron, if I'm getting this wrong. But I think from what I read, he's he's basically advising that anybody who signed off that CBC deal in a position of uh, power in the RFU has to fall on their sword. Hundred percent. And every union, actually. Every single union. The unions had no business sign- signing that. The clubs, yeah, fine, do what yeah. you want. You the can union- understand it more from the club side. Yeah. Because they are well, very well, financial. Well, that's, that's one thing strapped. Francis Barron says. And you, and you said, and James Haskell sort of jokingly and very affectionately referred to us as uh, three virgins in, a, in their mum's basement. That is point. true. <laughs> <laughs> and three virgins in their mum's basement uh, spotted the issues. Um, and so Francis Barron made the point that a decision as big as this from the union, as you've said, clubs is one thing because they're privately owned, fine, but the union is owned by its members and represented by the the, the people in power at the union. Uh, he said, had this gone to a special general meeting, there's no way the members would have allowed it to have happened. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. And what does it tell you about how the RFU felt about their commercial team? So one of the arguments about accepting CVC money is that they'll bring real commercial expertise, but the RFU have their own commercial team. So are they just saying their commercial team are no good, that they're not capable of doing these deals without CVC holding their hand? And if they are, right, if their commercial team was so horrendously bad that they needed to give 13% of the family silver away to this hedge fund, if that was the case, what were the Premiership doing employing the ex-head of commercial, the commercial director of the RFU, to be their CEO in Simon Massey-Taylor? Because from what I can see, Simon Massey-Taylor was so bad at his 
at his original job, the RFU felt that they needed to sell, what, 13.5% of, of, of the Six Nations. <laughs> Have I got that logic wrong? Uh, was that the role that he was? He was He's commercial director I, for the I RFU. Think, Have I, I got that wrong? Have I got I, my logic no, wrong there? No, I don't think you have, but I, what I would <laughs> say... Have you just failed upwards? I think that anyone who got employed, Simon Taylor included, since the deal was signed, I don't hold them, cul- them culpable. It's the individuals who presided over that no, 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 deal no, being signed. No, but this is just, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, actually, from what I hear about Simon Taylor, he might be, he might be exactly one of the... Yeah. Brighter lights. Well, one of the slightly less dim ones, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was within he, rugby. He was. Uh, he joined Premiership Rugby from the RFU, where he was Chief Commercial and Marketing Officer. Well, so brilliant. That, that is. So, what the, did he do? To, how did he impress the boards at Premiership Rugby? Like, so what? What are your achievements? Do you think well, they just saw the big pile of cash and thought that was a good. That, that sounds like a good deal. That sounds like a good idea. They just saw well, yeah, the cash. No, they got, we've, they we've got blinded signed, by gold. We've signed for CVC. You've signed for CVC. We must all be geniuses. Therefore, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to know what the interview. So, what have you done? Well, I was so bad in my last job that uh, my department that I ran, which was in charge of getting commercial deals, well. My employer completely ignored it, and they signed a deal with CVC. I mean, is that is that what yeah, the interview it, process was? It, yeah. well, but you like... will, as you've also said, the RFU prints money, so that it was a successful commercial entity. It just which beggars belief why they did this in the first place, isn't it? Just yeah. it yeah. annoys me so much. The yeah. whole thing annoys me so much. And the RFU council. I mean, the RFU council. By the way, this is a great one. The RFU council found the time to vote to remove Francis Barron's privileges. Now, this doesn't sound like a big deal, but you know, if you're a blazer, it's a massive deal. You've got to remember, the RFU Council are motivated primarily by free tickets. <laughs> um, so, you know, Francis Barron had some free tickets. Those have been removed because he's mentioned the financial mismanagement of the RFU. Well, this to me is conclusive that he, that he is correct. So the RFU Council have removed his... They, they, find, they I mean, found time to vote on that. That, that, was, that was a, a flippant, a, a flippant mischaracterisation. They may be wrong uh, with some of them on, in, on, uh, as a collective between them. They may be wrong on, on decisions that they've made as the RFU Council, but I'm sure their intentions are genuine. I've, I've been to the meetings. <laughs> I, I, I've been to a meeting, right, yeah. and I've, I've listened right, to how proud they are about giving us updates from Twickenham whilst the grassroots game in Lancashire is falling to pieces. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what their intentions are. I'm saying out, out of the whole lot of them, I'm sure there's a lot of good intentions and there's good, you know, good, good rugby people. But the, the, but the point yeah. being, to, to that, that Francis Barron appears to have been. I, I don't know the ins and outs, but that sounds a pretty harsh treatment for. Well, look, when the ex CEO, I don't know, says there's been financial mismanagement, right, and presents the evidence to you, I would have thought your duty as a council might be to scrutinise this evidence and say, hold on a minute. Maybe the ex-CEO might be on something. Instead, they reconvened to remove his privileges. I don't know what that tells you, but it's not impressive. Particularly when he was cast iron right. The, the other side that I mentioned before, there's two reasons why I thought for the Premiership, not for RFU, that the uh, CV seal might be a good deal. One, um, how, it, given how bad the Premiership had been for so long, surely some other guys can be better but number two, and this was a point that um, Philip Pilkington made in a totally different scenario on the multi uh, polar 
multipolarity pod. Great recommendation, by the way, that, Phil. Re- recently. Great pod recommendation. Have you got any pod- podcast recommendations to? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe listen to Patreon. J- J- JB, yeah, Patreon. I'll tell you what, on yeah, the Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Mention that J- on Patreon. J- JB can give his podcast recommendation <laughs> your, your that, he podcast gave, rep- that he gave to me. And I'm I, not recommending and, it. And I would recommend it. But Onward. It I don't want to fall a, off a yacht. A fascinating <laughs> listen. A fascinating listen. But I'm not going to put that here. But Philip Pilkington, he made the point that if someone if someone loans you money, they don't. They have. They are not tied to your long term success. The only thing, the only metric of success that they have, is getting their money plus interest. That's it. And if they have to send you to the wall, send you, uh, make you insolvent, send you into liquidation administration to get their money, they will do that. Yep. That he also made the point, which is where I ca- I was at the start, which is if they're invested into you and they are then tied and they benefit through your long-term growth, um, that is, of the two options, it is the much better option. Now, that was where I stood, but that, yeah. that clearly overlooked two things. One, just how lucrative the deal was for CVC, that they, they don't even need to worry about the long-term uh, nope. success because they're getting so much cash right now that it's irrelevant. And number two, just how bad, evidently, the CVC talent who have been attributed to Premiership Rugby actually is there. From what we can see, and we see very little because there's virtually no statements and no um, news releases, they're just as bad as the previous guys, if not worse. Like The trajectory of the whole league is only downwards right now. Mm. There's one bright spot of the Premiership, which is how competitive the matches are, because the salary cap has squeezed squads. You've basically got this funny phenomena where having less t- quality, Few, fewer. Oh no, less lower, lower. Yeah, less quality. Or, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fewer qualities. No. <laughs> uh, uh, in in the squad, um, in the in the Premiership squad means you've got a, a more competitive league, right? That's all going to change because when that salary cap goes back up, we're going to have four teams that spend up to salary cap. You're going to have one team which isn't even a premiership team and the rest of them will be somewhere in between. And, and so you, and, even that's going to disappear. But it's already kind of starting because you've got the likes of Newcastle who they will still get the same um, broadcast rights, the same commercial revenues as everyone else, even if they spend one third, one quarter, what everyone else does. So it becomes, I've said this phrase before, but it becomes a tragedy of the commons type scenario where everyone is grazing their sheep on the commons, the premiership, to, to to its total destruction. And in spending less, they're actually benefiting themselves short term, but making the whole product of the league worse and worse and worse and worse. I, I, and I understand wow. the motivation and it's... Uh, it, with the incentives and the realities that are there, I might do exactly the same thing if I were. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. If just, I were the boss of Newcastle, show me the incentives. Yep. I'll show you the outcome. Well, just to go back to your equity versus bond uh, mm. analogy, which is exactly right. Where, where else, by the way, do you get this <laughs> on a rugby podcast? Some people, I mean, you might be falling asleep, but bearing in mind where we're at with rugby and where we've been, you can, again, you can listen back to the whole archive. We, there's a level of depth. <laughs> and layers that get peeled back and areas that get explored into that you just do not get anywhere else. Yeah. And I wish more people had listened. Yeah, well, look, I was, phoning, I was phoning some of the most well-known journalists in the country explaining this deal in detail, and they're like, yeah, OK, well, we'll just run with um, who's in the England squad. OK, brilliant, thanks. <laughs> Guess I'll see you around. Um, anyway, back to your uh, analogy of equity versus bonds. The premiership owners, even though they've done this horrible deal, right, they were genuine investors, 
when I say investors, do you know when people say investors and they say, oh, let's invest in a women's game, they mean spend money, of, yeah, yeah. of course. But actually, it is an investment. And yep. sometimes investments lose a lot of money. Yeah, that's what the owners might be have investing done. in your weekends and your fun and your or yeah, in, investing well, in your well, legacy as a as a name. But then, yeah, that, but that that is really if you say you're investing your weekend, that's just spending. Yeah, that, there's spending, no chance yeah. of return yeah, on that. Right, there is right, a chance right. that you could get like twelve really great owners who get their act together, and you know, like you know, to be fair to like sales sales um, owners, I've had you know. A fair few conversations with, they strike me as good owners, like good competent so, people, right? So if you've got a load of them, uh, I tell you, the other guy who really impressed me is Tony Rowe, right? So mm-hmm. if you've got a load of people who, when they say invest, what it means is they put their money money at risk, and that's the important part. Yes, yeah. Now the CVC deal does not put that money at risk. They they do not benefit. Well, sorry, they have all of the benefits of a bondholder and all of the benefits of an equity holder. Guarantee. Uh, um, uh, wrapped up, but the nasty side effect of this deal means it will not attract any further investors. Yeah. And yeah. previously, what would happen is one set of investors would get bored, and guess what? The next guy who made his fortune in carpet warehouses or you know tech or whatever, yeah. whatever it is would come Pizza in franchises his. or yeah. whatever it is. But now they're like, no, we're not doing that because there's a CBC deal there, and it's an absolute disaster, and and rugby is a mess, and also the RFU is a complete and utter hellhole. So you know, if you add all those things together, that's why you know one of the most iconic names in rugby was sold. What was Wasp sold for? In like sixty k. Was it was the IP was bought, See, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm sure, the, I'm sure Wasp's IP is like something like thirty. It, yeah, it was not. It's not not big figures. Yeah. yeah. So like you know, the most one of the most iconic brands in all of rugby. Worthless, you know. That's why no one came in to save Worcester, London Irish. That's why no one ca- came in to save London Irish. It's because of this deal. It makes clubs uninvestable. So when this current ownership class either runs out of money or runs out of passion, and I imagine they're going to run out of passion before they run out of money, because who wants to be involved with the Premiership as each and every club fails? Well, then you know it's just going to be. It's going. It's almost like a self. It, it's it's a ticking time bomb. I said what? How how long ago? Five two, years. No, no, about, years. about two months ago. All right. I give it five years. I give it less. So, well, so um, just just on that point, um, Christopher Holland paid for the Wasps intellect, brand and intellectual property, so the badge, the right to be called Wasps Rugby, 35k. There you go. 35k for what? Wasps. You could have picked up Wasps for 35k. What? <laughs> there you go. Christopher Holland, who is he? Uh, well, is was he, he one of the former guys? I, I will just rewind and say... Is that Halo 22, his business? Might be. I will rewind. it. Maybe it was last season, uh, JB, you said it, but you, you kind of said, and it sounded um, apocalyptically doomsday-ish when you said, this season may not finish. That was referring to last season, wasn't yeah. it? This season may not finish. And... Obviously, you were incorrect on that, and you were incorrect on the season finishing this season. But looking back now, it's easy to see what you meant. Yes, and and it's it might not be the that exact outcome, but it is as it is nearly as dire as that when when you you have clubs not existing. And if you think about all the headwinds, I mean, the most serious headwind for the Premiership is France. As that league gets stronger and bigger and better and grows organically and just starts sucking up all of this money from TV rights, they can't compete and they never will be. They'll never be able to, to compete with France. So, you know, what the Premiership becomes, I don't know. They can't rely on the RFU because the RFU can't run, can't run a bath. 
and they're going to going to run out of money soon, and they're going to run out of players because no one wants to play ch- children's rules. So where the Premiership goes, unless and they can't get new owners, they can't get new uh, new wealthy owners because CVC stops that. I think it's going to have to be a cricket type model, central central contracting. Well, that weirdly, <laughs> weirdly, of course, is the internal war, isn't it, between the RFU yeah. and the clubs? Yeah. The RFU wants control of everything, and I would, I would break up the RFU tomorrow. Uh, so that would be my plan. I, I think now. So I've said for a while that the time to do central contracting was ninety five, ninety six. I was the mm. dawn of professionalism, and I thought, I thought for quite a long time until very recently that the clubs had too much power to allow the um, RFU to leverage those players off them because they were just too important for the clubs. Now I think the clubs have so little power. that, yeah. And uh, coincidentally, the RFU has very little power, but actually they might be in a, the, slight, the marginally stronger position of the two. Therefore, you could actually see the um, some kind of central contracting being done. They'll take the wages off the clubs, which will help them. Yeah. They get the players where they want. You know, it's just... It is... Same with Ireland, it's same with England, it's the same with them all, right? You can take these players, you can put them on, on central contracts, but as long as that French league is growing and getting stronger and stronger yeah, and stronger, yeah, yeah. Like, there are p- players that should really uh, be playing for New Zealand or Australia. And the draw of France now is getting so powerful that people are forgoing their international caps because you get guaranteed, like so, uh, Jack Willis. Jack Willis? Jack Willis. Jack Willis. Yep. Yeah. Jack Willis. He is eligible to play for England. But if he plays for England, and he played for a club in England as well, he would probably earn as much as he is in Toulouse. So do you just take the Toulouse money and play in that m- mega league and it's guaranteed, or do you take the risk of not getting picked pit for the international team when there's absolute animals like Tom Pearson and, and Tom Curry and Ludlam and Ludlow and all and Underhill all fighting for your shirt? No, mm. you'd stay in France. Yeah, take the money. Take the money. Now, interesting, so... There's a lot of Australian players. There's relatively few Kiwis. New Zealand is still... One of the most notable ones would be Sir Charles Piatau, who came over and took the money. And there's been a few who've been on the kind of periphery. Paul Heyman was the first to say, yeah, enough of this international nonsense. I'm going to go make a load of cash. Yeah, that was towards yeah towards the end of his well, career. No, because he did it when he went to Newcastle, and then when he went uh, to Toulon. Yeah, yeah that's like, yeah, a good point. Done. Um, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, is a player like there's not that many. Is like, a player like Charlie Falmoina still a guy that could play for the all, for the All Blacks if he was there? Possibly. I think he's a marvelous player. He, he's retiring now, isn't he? Yeah. But I, I, it, there's not there's not many. They, New Zealand have managed to. Do okay in retention. But, yeah, they they, pay, they pay very away. well, and they let players go off. But well, they they let them do the six month sabbaticals in go, Japan, go earn some corn. get so, mega money, and those those players, those sabbatical deals in Japan. If you're, for example, Bowden Barrett or Richie Moonga, and you wear the All Black Ten jersey, the Japan money will be astronomical. And their domestic Super Rugby season, as we've just seen, is condensed within a very small window. That actually, fifteen weeks, you eighteen can do weeks. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the next battle. Right, is going to be if central contracts were to come in. If you think of the RFU pie, it's split like 50 50. So 50% for the grassroots clubs and 50% for professional. It's not split like that, but let's just go with that. That was always the principle, but it's now more like 70 30. But yeah. Well, yeah, whatever it is, just let's imagine that ease of argument is 50 50. Yeah. Okay? Because they've got two jobs to do, allegedly. Now, if the England squad costs them 50, like 50%, and that France money keeps on pushing. They don't need to play in France. They just need the wages to go up and for the 
wage inflation of players worldwide to go up. If that goes to 60%, well, where does that money come from? Oh, well, it comes from, uh, comes from grassroots. What if it goes to 70%, 80%? So when they talk about growing the game, it's so disingenuous because they'll tell you, if you get on the phone to Bill Sweeney, as I have, and you talk to him about the game, he'll say, oh, we're really successful because there's more women playing. There's more disabled rugby. There's more um, mixed ability and there's more touch rugby touch, going on, yeah. right? All of these things just... All that really matters in terms of the England squad is are there more eyeballs and is the men's professional game more profitable? Because if it's not, they're going to end up spending more and more or a larger and larger percentage of that England money for grassroots on the professional game. All those professional players are all going to leave the country and play somewhere else. And just to add to that, the the eyeballs and the men's playing and are there more uh, kids playing at low level because you want the biggest possible funnel to attract the yeah. most possible talent but, for you know, the, into that the, funnel. But the game that they play with us in, well, the media, Lucy speaking, saying, we are growing the game. Yeah, because yeah. look at all these different people that are playing. It's great. Look, there's more community rugby. But if it's not growing the commercial pie, which keeps the England players in England, then that pie which funds all the community is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller, or the, or the, or the slice of it is. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be the next battle. Do the RFU just let all the players go? Do they keep five of them? Do they keep ten of them? I, I don't know what they do. Yeah, and, and I think undoubtedly, whatever the right option is, which might be logical and sensible to many people, uh, the RFU will do what the WRU have done and pick an illogical, yes, which, which actually harms them in in two directions. Compromise you, in all the worst areas. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. You, you force the best players to come back as the WRU and take spots, pay more than you should be paying for the players to come back oh, and take the spots of so the talented youth coming through. It is so stupid, isn't it? It is so stupid to want George North to come back to the Ospreys when Northampton were paying him. Well, we can see that now. It's, it's just, yeah, it's so obvious. Do you know what? Well, that's a pretty exhaustive... Uh, conversation about that brilliant really enjoyed it but uh, you just mentioned Sir Charles Piertau and reminded me mm. we've got an email here contacttechchasers at gmail.com from Mark who's in Japan listener in Japan uh, he says uh, hello gents love the pod blah uh, I'm away with work currently and I should be on the flight today to Tokyo none other than Sir Charles Piertau and his beautiful wife wow on board. Uh, they say behind every great man there is a great woman <laughs> Expressed how beautiful she is, then great woman. He says, uh, but anyone who can cope with three children who are two or under on a 17-hour flight via Doha is wow. worthy of deep respect. Wow. wow. There you go. The premiership loss is Japan's gain, and uh, Tonga are looking pretty awesome backs-wise for the Rugby World Cup. <laughs> yeah. They are. And it, Mark, Mark, it is exciting to see what's going to happen there. It really is. And Mark also said, outside this, um, tough week for his dad, Peter, who suffered a stroke. Uh, it was a class fallback in his day with Hampton School and RAF Cranwell. Uh, And he said, in any event, can you wish Peter a speedy recovery and thank the Stroke Association and the Bower Foundation for the excellent work they do picking up pieces after these life-changing events. Get well soon, Peter. Yeah, Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Pete, get well soon, fella. Um, I hope you're back up and running soon. And mm. thanks for listening. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and listening while you're... And uh, emailing us while you're enjoying yourself in Japan. Absolutely. And working hard, no doubt. Uh, no strong zeros. Well, <laughs> maybe just away. one. Yeah, just maybe take, one. Yeah. Just take the edge off. Well, I mean, just yeah, one. It's unlikely you're going to get to two, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. so. just, whatever you do, don't. no matter how much you think it's going to enhance the edge being taken off, don't open a second. As the free trade agreement between the UK and Japan, <laughs> yes, maybe we can get is. strong zeros. I, reckon, I honestly think, in the same way that we relaunched the Negroni, um, 
that strong lemon zero sales in the UK must have doubled through us. I, mean, I bet they were minuscule before we uh, got involved, and I bet they're slightly less minuscule now. Yeah, marginally. More, like six or seven I did, a month sold, maybe? Yeah. I've still got a few in my... Uh, have you? In my cellar, yeah, I've got about... Is that in case of the end of cans. days? Like, yeah. <laughs> like if, if Russia attacks, we, we, we crack open the strong lemon zeros. Every time I've had a bad day and I go down to the cellar to like, get a beer, I'm like, is it... Has my day been bad enough to crack one of those? <laughs> no, it hasn't. Not yet. Not yet. That's like some people have uh, that, that bottle of wine or champagne or something that they save for a very special occasion. You have the strong zeros for a real <laughs> shitter. Uh, well, the Russians have landed. <laughs> yeah. Will Vernon, really will be. Yeah. Will Vernon also uh, got in touch. Contact Chasers at gmail.com. Remarking on the Champions League final, bearing in mind what we talked about with the Premiership Rugby final, the Champions League final, he said, can't believe people actually tuned in given that both teams were wearing... Um, various shades of blue. What? <laughs> what did the colourblind do? Well, did they just not go? Did they just not watch? How did they get so many fans? Actually, I got back to Manchester from London last night, and I got you're back. in blue today, Tim. Is, is there I a am. reason for that? No, well, Big Stockport, city fan, Stockport County fan. <laughs> where, where most uh, Stockport, where, so mo- cool, where, most Man- yeah. where most Man City uh, fans are from. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I got back into Piccadilly Station from London yesterday evening and it was about 10 o'clock and I, I couldn't get a taxi because there was thousands of City fans just streaming into town. Really? Couldn't get a taxi so I got I hopped on the tram and it was mad that Manchester Library was lit up in blue massive crowds of people everywhere even the tram driver was like eh, 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 eh. <laughs> uh, he was either a City fan just like buzzing or, or he was a United fan going I want to get home get, out, off, get, get out of the way you know, like, it's so easy to be dismissive of football fans it really is <laughs> And last week was the FA Cup final, and obviously City won that as well. And I, I was watching this young lad cross the road, shouting to no one in particular about how the city is blue and it's ours tonight. And like, oh, okay, big deal. <laughs> but like, it does mean a lot to these people. Like, it is cool to have to see it happen in in Manchester, even though it's quite annoying in some guys. <laughs> but did I tell you when we were in Glasgow the other week, they were celebrating the. Oh, I think I might have mentioned Celtic, this. Celtic, was it? Celtic won the league again. I think, wow, I, think I wasn't expecting that. I think they won... Someone said that Rangers have won one more domestic trophy than Celtic now. In, right? in terms of, like, cups plus leagues. So Rangers still in the lead by one. But it's, but next year, big year. We should go to Do you know who else is in the lead by Wait. one? Novak Djokovic. Yes, oh, he is. Absolutely. I love that man. I do, I, I do. I love that man. He's a hero. But, it. but in, <laughs> in, the, uh, in Glasgow... There were some young lads. We were walking across the. Shortly after the final whistle, we were walking across town. There was loads of Celtic fans setting off flares and dancing on bus shelters and doing everything else they want to do. And there was, there was two young lads, like 15, 16, in front of us. And there's one bloke, mid 20s, uh, not wearing a Rangers shirt, but clearly a Rangers fan. And as these two young lads walked past, he was like. Enjoy your night, lads. Enjoy it. But just stay safe. We wouldn't want anything <laughs> bad to happen to you. Uh, I was like, uh, uh, so? You, so, was it you, Jay? Well, you might have been together, actually, on the day that City won their first league title and yes. pipped Man United in the amazing oh, yeah. So Manchester United fans sprayed champagne all over, yeah. all, all over the bar. With about yeah. two minutes to go. And then Aguero scored. Aguero! Aguero! <laughs> and then... <laughs> so these bottles of champagne were amazing because I was in the Royal Oak pub 
and it is obvious that they have not sold champagne there for a long time. <laughs> the layers of dust. No, on it, was, it was just a very special vintage JV. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought, right? If I, if I had any sense, I should have bought up all all those bottles because they're clearly from the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. Like it was probably a, a, like I say a vintage year. <laughs> but yeah, um, one set of fans was like, United fans. They basically won, won, won the title. So they they sprayed the whole pub with, with champagne, and then Aguero scores, legend. And the city fans went and did the same. Yeah, yeah. but you no, know, the best part was the city fans had their champagne first, and then Gibriel Cisse equalised for Queens Park Rangers. So then the United fans went to get their champagne, and then they sprayed it, and then Aguero scores, and then it goes wild. It was it was quite something. Uh, oh dear. Simon Dickinson, contact TedChasers at gmail dot com. Uh, he says uh, the subject title is supporters of Irish Wasps and Worcester and he, he's basically saying do, do you have any sense or idea or if you were in their shoes what would you do next season would you just give up on rugby completely would you switch to another team or would you go down to the amateur version of the team in the case of London Irish like I don't think you've got geese? any options is my, I think you just give up on rugby I, I, no, <laughs> I, I hate to sound like that guy look I'm lucky because I live on the border with Wales, and I think I can play one more season under adult rules. You don't want anything to do with this new rugby, which there are a few opportunities. No, we're talking about being a supporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, well, do you want to go and see children's rules? I wouldn't. I mean, you can idea. go and watch if if you're West London, you can go and watch some of the teams that play in the championship. Yeah, like, championship. I go, I go to, watch a championship. To Ealing's or, just about like half a mile from where. That is a great shot. Where yeah, the yeah. Irish play. Go watch. Yeah, one one of the championship teams. Uh, who who's still who's still in the championship? Uh, Bedford, yep. London Scottish, yep. Yeah, so you got Richmond if you, if you, to be confirmed. Yeah, if you're West London, go and yeah. Got Richmond, pick, pick Ealing, London Scottish, maybe Richmond. Don't know. You've got uh, Nottingham, Bedford, Cornish Pirates. Uh, so I went to see, Doncaster. I went to watch Amptill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's what you. I think that that's that, that's what you should do. I think you should go and watch it. If you can go watch a championship team because you don't really want to just go to a different Premiership team. Unfortunately, the amateur game won't. It just won't. What? What I, is it? I would say that yes, watching the game is one element of it. But if you want that kind of clubhouse feeling, I, I would say go and go and have a beer in your local in your local club. I, I can't be. I can't be supporting it because that's what they want, isn't it? What they want is to. Disassemble your game, and for you just to you know quietly accept it, quietly mm. accept it, and just you know what well, you mentioned. Down, Wales, carry on coaching, carry on supporting the game, yeah. grow the game. No, the answer is no. You mentioned Wales, by the way, and we got sent an email here. Liars. Contact chases at gmail dot com, and it says where am I? I'm trying to find it now. Oh man, where is it? Well, basically, I, I, I apologise to the person who sent this, but basically, it looks like. Wales are starting their consultation process on the tackle hype. So yeah, I wish we'll them all. I wish them the best of luck. Uh, as for Greg Bateman, oh, there, that's one. Chris Dyson, contact Tedchasers at gmail dot com. Uh, last week you were asking, I wonder what Greg Bateman does. I know what he does. Yeah, he has a beer company. Indeed. Yep. So uh, Chris runs a pub in Leicestershire, and he says that we love our craft beers here. He, he hasn't mentioned the pub. He should have mentioned which pub it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout. Yes. But, but anyway, Greg Bateman has his own brewery called People's Captain. People's captain, go and buy Greg Bateman's beer. People's captain, yeah, that's what I'd say. And he was he was playing rugby in Wales. Has now stopped. Focused on his brewery, uh, and yeah, Greg is. Do you know what he used to do before he became a rugby player? 
Hmm. He looks like a hod carrier. No. You will not get this. Go on. He sold HGV driver's training courses. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking one of those. Oh, you Are really? You? So that I can drive my dad's motorhome. Wow. Awesome. It's, so it's just, it's been reclassified as, and they've had to, he's had to um, get a extra strong axles or whatever, because it's over just over three and a half tonnes when it's loaded up with, wa- with water and stuff. <laughs> so, I, so because my licence doesn't have that on it, because, you know, we're... Why would it? Well, no, because it does if you're like, I think if you're like 45 or over. Oh, or, does it? You get yeah. Class C as an automatic. Yeah. Automatically, it's on there That's with your driving licence. But you have to, t- so I'm, I'm t- I've got my theory test on Thursday. Why don't you just go the whole hog and get the maximum licence that you can no, drive? The articulated lorry now. Yeah. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> Not just articulated lorry. Go, go for tanker driver. <laughs> just go all out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. So, uh, yeah, I, I know loads about um, the theory test questions. Um well, Greg Bateman would back in the day. Greg Bateman would have been your man. Cool. Mm. And Andrew, Andrew, well, just Andrew, Andrew P. Uh, contact deadchasers at gmail dot com. He's got a little YouTube link, link uh, for a link for you, Phil. Um, he said, uh, please make sure Phil finds this as I found it helped me tremendously, and it's uh, top tips on the new Le- Legend of Zelda game. Oh yes! Here we go. Now uh, you're he, talking. He has requested a weekly update on how you're getting on. He says, "How are you getting get on with Zelda?" Off-season content. So how are you getting on with Zelda? Um, I've I've been trying to avoid doing the main storyline, but I went for the um, the first dungeon. So I've done the um, Ruto area. So there's the um, yeah. Sorry, is it Rito or Ruto? The bird dungeon in the sky in Northwest Hyrule. Uh, and I'm levelling up quite nicely. Quite nicely indeed. Good. Good. Does that mean anything to you, Tim? No, I'm just looking at this little uh, pro tips video, though, and gameplay. and uh... The stuff that you can make is absolutely ludicrous. Oh, it is I... very, very good fun. You still surf on your shield? You can shield. So if you can uh, fuse a minecart to your <laughs> to your <laughs> shield... <laughs> this is ludicrous. <laughs> So there you go. We'll have another. We'll have another, another update of Phil's Legend of Zelda quest. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm not spending as much time as I'd like on it, but I've probably sunk. Oh god, in the last month, I don't know, maybe thirty hours or something like that in it. You, you, oh, I can't believe you found thirty hours. Most uh, genuinely, a lot of it is on the train. That's not a bad use of your time. Uh, yeah, I tend I mean, to if. If it's in work hours, I tend to do some work. If it's out of work hours, I tend to just chill, either sleep or play a bit of Zelda. Yeah. All right, let's return to a little bit of rugby before we're done then. And uh, Super Rugby is the playoffs as well. It is. You caught a bit of this, Phil. I did. A couple of beatdowns. Good game between the JB's beloved Blues and uh, Brad Thorne's Reds. Also, the Brumbies and the Canes was a good game. Yeah, there's two two beat the Chiefs, Chiefs and uh, the Crusaders. I watched most of the Crusaders game. Um, that was a bit of a beatdown yeah. for the drawer. Blues pumped the Tars. Um, yeah. So apparently the Canes game was it like yeah. came on to a, a last a last minute try which never was given. It wasn't. Yeah. Now you. I have seen it as a Canes fan. You can't really complain because their tackle was too soft for much of the game. They conceded too many easy tries, but they um, scored or got the ball over the line. And it wasn't given on the field, and the decision was not to overturn it. Now, if if that was given on the field, there's no way in, on earth it would have been overturned against. Yeah. Uh, I think it probably was, on the balance of probabilities, grounded. Yeah. But you can't complain. There was also if one you don't where do it in the 80. Geordie Barrett, five metres out, 
Yeah, shortly before that. Yeah, shortly, shortly before that. But Jordy Barrett, all he had to do was pass Pop. to Proctor, I think it was, outside. He just popped the ball, and he tried to take it himself and didn't score. So yeah, yeah. He butchered it. But uh, And as a result, off, off the back of that, Dane Coles has come out and retired. That was his last game. Really? Yeah. yeah. Is it f- f- flat retirement? So no, or flat for or retirement for Keynes? Retirement a- for Keynes. Available for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, you've got the... Um, Blues went through, Chiefs went through, home to the Reds, like you say. The double dongs pumped, yeah. pumped the Drua, who've had a good season, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was quite an entertaining game. Yeah. It was a bit... Uh, it's funny watching that game, because the Drua, they wanted the most open game they possibly can. It was when they were offloaded and playing multiple phases that they, they kind of had a chance. As soon as it went down to... Scrum kick for the corner. Mm. Uh, I think the first four Crusaders tries were all forwards tries because yeah. it was they were just grinding it out. Yeah. And the, the Crusaders can play wide as well; they're an exciting team. But they were going to win that game by grind. Yeah. So the semi-finals are the Double Dongs against the Blues on Friday morning, and uh, the Chiefs against the Brumbies on Saturday morning. Mm. It'd be nice for an Australian team to win it. They won't, but it'd be nice if they did. Yeah, I think it's going to be New Zealand final. But uh, yeah, it it was it was seconds away or millimeters away with that last try from being all New Zealand yeah. semi-finals. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I think the Brumbies have done well to get here. And we're in the penultimate week of games in the regular season in MLR as well. Oh, and, okay, and it's not been a good year for for my boys Nola Gold. Your poor Nola Gold. They're going to miss out on the playoffs. Um, but the uh, the names are wicked. <laughs> So the New England Free Jacks, the New New York. Oh, well, New England Free Jacks have got a great kit. Yeah, they have got they great have kit. Great kit. New, New York Iron Workers. Yeah, just that's a, a wicked that's name, the one, isn't it? That's, that's such like a that. great name. Old Glory DC. Um, they're going to go through in the Eastern Conference to the playoffs, uh, and then you've got San Diego Legion, Seattle Sea Wolves, Houston Sabercats, um, and the other names that I haven't mentioned. Nola Gold, best kit in rugby. Chicago Hounds. See, there's teams in cities that we want to... We've talked about this, haven't we? Mm. And they still play normal rules and, yeah. Atlanta. Uh, the, we, we could go and see Rugby Atlanta and visit visit the... Uh, oh, they, don't make, they don't do their podcast anymore. No, no. Uh, no, sadly not. Life moves on. Uh, so, anyway, uh, and in the, in the top 14, the final, which is next... Is it Saturday night? Yeah, it will be. It's next next weekend. Next Saturday, eight PM. Oh, nice. What are you doing next Saturday? Great question. Oh, do you know what I might be doing? I might be going to call my rugby club to the centenary dinner. Oh, mm. nice. So I'll see if I can get it on the big screen. Nice. Uh, Scott Quinnell is talking, and Sean Holly is talking. Cool. So that's a good. Yeah, yeah. yeah two nice good guys. Nice little duo. Well, it's a big club, mate. Mm. Toulouse v La Rochelle. Where is the final? Is it? Is it, does Toulouse get home advantage? No, because La Rochelle finished top, didn't they? Surely. No, it's, did um, Toulouse finish top? Well, no idea. Oh, it's at the Stade de France. Yeah, I was going to say. Obviously, yeah. Oh, that's going to be tasty. That isn't it? Just yeah. Isn't it? Just? Wow. I love the stat from the European Cup final when they faced off. And La Rochelle had the two biggest players, but Toulouse had the bigger Big pack. pack size. <laughs> Jesus It feels Christ. a bit like one of those. So what? so Leinster have the better of Toulouse. La Rochelle have the better of Leinster. Does that mean Toulouse have the better of La Rochelle? Well, it did in the European Cup of, final. Yeah, exactly. Mm. In a bit of a... Yeah. I, would, I'd quite like, I quite like La Rochelle to win it. I, I like La Rochelle. I like the kit. I like what Ogara's doing. I oh. don't know why I like Ogara. It's like, maybe I have this wrong. 
but it's like supporting the bad guy. I don't know why. <laughs> it just feels I, like people don't like him for some reason. I, and I do. I really like him. I love him. I, yeah, he's great. He's, he talks yes. so much sense. Yeah. Um, That's probably why people don't, don't like him. He's a, rugby, he's a rugby savant, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He understands it. He just understands yeah. stuff. Yeah. I can't wait for next year with Stuart Lancaster going go, go to Racing. When the rubber hits the road, I it, cannot wait for this. It's going to be a fascinating, fascinating appointment. It will be it will be very, very interesting. He's back as headman. Yep. He's got no one to blame up, nowhere to hide. He can't just have... Well, he can have unlimited players. He's going to have to select... He's going to have to fix that pack. That's what he's Yeah, gonna, that's, yeah. That's, what, that's, that's priority number one. So if he fixes the pack, I just don't see him being able to do it. I don't see him being that kind of coach. I can't wait. <laughs> if it's if it was purely decided on kit, two iconic kits, I think Toulouse. I, the kit that they were wearing this weekend. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> oh, excuse me. It was so nice uh, with that little white collar and the the absolute classic uh, black and red. Yeah, mm. It is ace. beautiful. So there's still rugby to talk about. We'll be back next weekend talking about it. Do you want to just very quickly touch on the thing you wanted to talk about as a springboard yeah. into... so we will talk about this further in the Patreon podcast, but Gareth Thomas has the audacity to... Uh, who? By the way, who is the journalist that, that wrote this story? Uh, Nick Powell in the rugby paper. Who is Nick Powell? Uh, and why is he so bad at his job? Like, like, generally, <laughs> why is Nick Powell bad at his job? So Nick Powell has written a story well, about... Keep no, focus no. on Gareth Thomas. No, 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 no. Let's do them both. Okay. Let's do them both right. Are we doing, we doing this on Thomas. Patreon pod or this no, no, I, I, now? I, I, I want, yeah, yeah. Get, I, let's give the headlines of it. Yeah. yeah. Gareth Thomas is, within, without doubt, the scumbag of the hour, right? But for Nick Powell to write this story and then give a sort of, like, his, uh, some background as to Gareth Thomas is in, you know, in with the NSPCC, he's done uh, this, this, that and the other for gay rights... Gareth Thomas has completely abused his position as a gay rights activist to ruin the life of his ex-partner. He is far more dangerous to the gay community than Israel Folau will ever be. So Nick Powell is simply bad at his job. It's an awful article. It's disingenuous. But again, it fits the narrative. I mean, it's just... A, it, it's not... For an, for an organisation as good as a rugby paper, this should never have been written. And we'll talk about why on the on the Patreon podcast. Yeah, it was it was a headline in the rugby paper. Falau call was TV turned off for Gareth Thomas. And the first paragraph, Gareth Thomas quote refused to watch the Barbarians. Yeah, and then maybe match. you should go on to say Gareth Thomas was accused of some pretty heinous crimes against his ex partner. Gareth Thomas also weaponized an HIV charity. Gareth Ga- Gareth Thomas was accused of lying to the press. Gareth Thomas is not a good role model for gay men in. In rugby, in fact, it's probably the more damage than anyone else. Yeah, and we can we can talk about this more. But I would say that Gareth Thomas is entitled to say that, and Nick Powell's entitled to to publish that. No, no, but Nick Powell should but, put the but, proper context. I was say, but what what sticks in the craw is the 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 visceral response to one element of this story, as we talked about on last week's podcast, and the and the wide berth that Gareth Thomas is being given by broadcasters since retiring thomas has gone on to be a major advocate for for gay rights has he when it suits him yeah sure but you know where was his uh, where was his advocate sorry his advocation if that's even a word for his ex-partner's rights 
Yeah. Uh, NSPCC campaigns give support to young people coming to terms with their sexuality uh, and later fronting a BBC documentary about homopho- uh, homophobia in football. He is not qualified to talk about these things anymore. He is persona non grata. All, all men are equal. Some men are more equal than others. Yes, that, George that, Orwell. That, that is true. And but we'll- thanks for that terrible piece, Nick Powell. Don't call yourself a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you're going to top that, mate, but um, <laughs> patreon.com slash eggchasers and let the boys play. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.